Welcome to Apparently Speaking, the podcast from Northeast Ohio Parent with your host, Miriam Connor. Hi, this is Miriam. Thank you for listening to Apparently Speaking. My guest today, Kiva Schuler, is here to talk about peaceful parenting. She's going to talk about things. Um, she's going to talk about what peaceful parenting is, what can go wrong when parents push their kids to follow in their footsteps exactly, a new way of thinking about discipline, learning to communicate without yelling, threatening, bargaining, and many more topics. Kiva Schuler is the founder and CEO of the Jai Institute for Parenting, an organization that has trained over 1,000 parenting coaches globally. She is also the author of the groundbreaking book, The Peaceful Parenting Revolution, Changing the World by Changing How We Parent, and also, and most importantly, Mom to Miles and Charlotte. Sponsored by the all-new Mazda of Kent. Your family safety is our top priority. And Mazda has more Insurance Institute for Highway Safety Picks than any other manufacturer. So get to your Mazda destination, Mazda of Kent. Check out new Mazda CX-5 crossover SUVs, Mazda CX-30 CUVs, even 2023 Mazda CX-50 crossover SUVs. And US News and World Report awarded Mazda Best Car Brand. Check out their new retail evolution dealership, the all-new Mazda of Kent, mazdakent.com. Well, welcome, Kiva, and thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, glad to have you. So I know we're going to talk about, you know, you wrote the book, um, The Peaceful Parenting Revolution, Changing the World by Changing How We Parent, and you have a lot of other uh, resources and things like that we'll talk about as we um, have our conversation. But uh, it's really interesting, you know, the peaceful parenting revolution. So um, let's maybe just start talking about that. What does that mean, peaceful parenting? For generations, adults have asked the question, how do I get these kids to behave? And uh, I recently pulled a bunch of quotes dating back to 2000 BC, talking about how entitled the children of this generation are and disrespectful and lazy. Um, and so it occurred to me uh, through various points of my life that maybe it was time to ask a different question, which is how can adults shift our behavior, our communication, our relational skills, so that we can provide a different experience for children where they can grow, journey from childhood to adulthood with their self-esteem, their confidence, their voice, their self-worth intact. So it's like everybody, every generation thinks that, right? Like, oh, this generation is the worst, or this generation <laughs> is entitled. Yeah. If I take it down to a more granular level and I see this with so much empathy and compassion, parenting is hard, but it's way easier to ask our kids to change their behavior than to examine our own. And so we, I believe, have been asking children to live up to a standard of behavior and relationship skills that a lot of us haven't quite mastered. And until we master them, it's unfair to ask children to live to that standard. Yeah, I, that's a great point that you just said, you know, um, I, and I think, you know, we see a lot of behavior with our within ourselves, I'm sure, and with other people. And you can look on the media and the news and all these kind of things. And you see all of this behavior that we would never want in our kids. Um, but they see it, you know, in us and in others. And like we said, on the media and things like that. And then we're asking them to do something maybe that they aren't even capable of doing yet 
because of their age and their developmental, you know, where they are. Exactly right. That's exactly right. You know, and then we wonder why our teenagers think that we're hypocrites and want to rebel and don't trust us. Like, hmm. Yeah, it's it's a great point. And I do think that a lot of times um, I see it in school even, you know, some teachers and then, you know, a lot of parents just expect you want to have high expectations. That's a good thing. We're not saying, you know, have no expectations or lower your expectations, but I think they should be realistic. And I do think that everyone kind of forgets maybe what they were like at certain ages, or we look at it of how we're not really looking at it accurately. <laughs> we're not remembering realistically. <laughs> um, so, and then we put this pressure, there's that pressure on the kids. And again, you want them to do better, be better, have high expectations. But the bottom line is where their brain is developmentally that's where it is, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so funny. You know, I'll get on an open call with parents and there will always be the questions, you know, how do I get my two-year-old to sit still through church? Or how do I get my four-year-old to not have a tantrum in a restaurant? And I have to just gaze lovingly into the camera and say, <laughs> you don't, my yeah. friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't. You don't put them in a situation that you know they're not going to be able to handle. Exactly. And that's why, you know, I think parenting education is becoming so much more accepted because we're finally realizing that the way that we actually know how to parent is largely guided by the way we were parented. Mm -hmm. And so what I love to see is that there's so much more information available to parents so that we can understand brain development. We can understand appropriate, you know, in a general way, uh, developmental milestones and that helps us have appropriate expectations of our kids. Yeah, I think that's really important just to remember, you know, that there are certain ages where there are certain, you know, milestones, like you said, the brain development is, that's really not going to change. I mean, everyone's different, obviously. Some kids, you know, you have different personalities, different temperaments, but, um, you know, just like you mentioned in the restaurant, that always cracks me up because, right, you can take them to a restaurant and they can they can learn at four to sit for a little bit, but it'd be short. You know, if you're sitting there in a kind of a quiet restaurant and it's two hours, well, two hours, three hours, you know, they're not, it's, they're, they're bored. They, they're not, they shouldn't be probably sitting so quietly, but you know, you try to maybe in small increments, right? You maybe go for a short time. <laughs> Being aware of how children, well, really how all of our nervous system work is really useful because what happens in any adult, whether they're two or 72, is when our nervous system starts to get escalated and starts to tip into what in polyvagal theory we call the red zone, right? Like we're about to lose it. We do not have access to reasoning, to logic, to cooperation. And so when children are put in environments that escalate their nervous system, even because they're so fun, you know, and they're like getting all amped up and then we try yeah. to reason them with them to calm down, they literally do not have access nor do they have a fully developed prefrontal cortex, which is the part of the brain that's responsible for reason. They can't. <laughs> yeah, they're not trying to that's get right. on your nerves. They're not trying to act crazy on purpose. That's right. But like you said, sometimes it's our fault. You've got them in a situation where they're just highly stimulated, and that's fine. But then you can't just, okay, now now it's time to settle Turn down. that off, child. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then, yeah. Right, and then like, right, that's happened. In traditional parenting is we started to be labeled. This is a bad child. You're uncooperative. You don't have respect. 
And when we tell our children who look to us for safety, security, acknowledgement, love, and validation who they are, they believe us. This is why so many adults are people pleasers, are unable to speak up in the face of injustice because they were conditioned from a very young age that they were less than just because they were a kid. Hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah, and that's sad when you think about it. I mean, obviously, you know, you teach them how to be respectful and do things the right way, but right, not less than. And, and it's, it's, it's probably not done on purpose. It's just like you said, goes back to maybe how those parents were raised. Mm -hmm. And so they're just continuing with that. Correct. This is why I, you know, bolt out of bed every morning to do our work that we do at the Giant Institute for Parenting, because I know many parents are like me who have the certainty that it ends with us, right? That we are going to be the generation of parents who knows better and therefore does better. And so I know you talk about, you know, making peace with your parenting past. What do you mean by that? So it, it kind of ties to what I just said about, you know, when we are really honest with ourselves, so much of how we learn to relate to all other humans, right, to all relationships was established in the primary relationship that we had with our caregivers, whether that was a parent, a grandparent, you know, whatever that support system was for us as children, that imprints relational programming, if you will, into our subconscious mind. It's kind of like our operating system that we run on. So as parenting coaches, we're not therapists, we're not diagnostic, we are not dealing with mental health issues. But what we've learned in the 12 years that we've been training parenting coaches is that if we don't give parents space to see specifically how their narrative of childhood is influencing their fears, their concerns, the pressure that they're putting on their children to achieve, then those the, the programming overpowers the intention. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's just it's really interesting. And you just think about if you really think about your your past, how you were raised, and hopefully you can look on it with, you know, positive, positive yeah. things. But there are always things like you said, we're going to do better or we would do differently or, you know, things differently, but, you know, making peace with that. And exactly. also kind of goes along with that. You talk about um, this. I think this is really important. You, I see this a lot when you're pushing your kids, you know, to follow in their footsteps. Exactly. You know, you want them to be, I guess, just little mini me's, right? Mm hmm it's it's this is such a complex conversation projection <laughs> this is all about projection right and it could yeah. be about achievement right I experienced so much joy and pride because I was the captain of the football team or I was the valedictorian yeah. that I want my child to have that experience or alternatively I experienced failure I didn't achieve my goals I didn't go for my dreams and so gosh darn it, my kid is going to. The problem with that is it, it, it takes away agency from another human being who has the human right of choosing their path for themselves. 
So as peaceful parents, it's not that we don't experience these things, it's that we want to become aware, right? Like, hmm, you know, I was a very serious dancer growing up in New York. And, you know, my mindset was when I had a daughter, we were going to be in the Nutcracker together. She oh. was you know, going to do all the things. Well, lo and behold, came out this beautiful child who loves to draw and and gets her, you know, her nervous system gets overstimulated easily. Pressure and and intensity do not work for her. One day she made me a PowerPoint presentation. She was about eight years old about why she should be allowed to quit ballet. And I was like, this person knows what she wants and she's having to ask me for permission. This is crazy. Right? Of not not to do something that she doesn't want to do. I love that she did that, though. That shows a lot of just great qualities in her. And I'm laughing because my kids have done the same, you know, why they should, you know... (laughs) be able to do something or go on my some, 10 point you know, slide on why I should be point top of the tree. Yeah. 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 But you know, you're right. It's so easy to do. And I remember um, doing that when my oldest daughter was younger, just a silly little thing. Like you should join, you know, this club or student council, like when, when she was going into junior high, cause like I, I did all of that and I loved it and you know, we're similar. And so I, I think you'll love it. It's just a great way to whatever, like just to, to be involved and be in a leadership position. I really had fun with it. And she was like, she tried it and she is a very good at, you know, that kind of things. But she was just like, I don't really, it's just not feeling it. Like it's not. Yeah. And I kept like, are you sure? What about, you should try it again the next year. And finally she's like, mom, I don't want to do that. And I'm like, I had to step back and go, why do I care if she does this stuff? Right. Like she's involved in other things, you know? Yeah. Like just because yeah. I liked it, you know, just because we are you know, similar doesn't mean it's fine. And so finally I just had to say, whatever, fine. You do the things that you want to do. And then I, you know, I've done that with, you know, my other two, but you know, sometimes I will find myself maybe just giving too much, you know, opinion, like, what about this? Or have you thought about, you know, wanting to do this? And my son is, uh, my, my daughters are definitely extroverted. My son's a little more introverted. So I'm always like, Hey, um, it's funny you said drawing because he'll just draw for hours at home. That's yeah. his passion, his art. And so, but I'll mention him, oh, you, what about this? Or you should join this, you know, trying to get him like kind of more involved in things. And he's like, I'm, I'm good. You know, so <laughs> I had to like step back again and say like, he's totally fine. So therefore I should be totally fine with it. It's okay. Absolutely. You know, if we want to, and this is why, you know, I think I want to address a misconception just for a second before I say what I was going to say. Oftentimes people assume that peaceful parenting is permissive parenting. Yes, yes. That it's kind of, you know, free for all, don't care what your kids do, you know, no consequences for their choices. That is a thousand percent not the case. Peaceful parenting is simply replacing punishments, consequences, yelling, timeouts, even external forms of validation like sticker charts or bribes mm-hmm. with communication. And that communication is grounded by values. So as in the book, The Peaceful Parenting Revolution, we spend a lot of time on thinking about what are the values that are important for me to teach my child consistently, repetitively, and patiently over time so that they have the tools that they need to thrive in life. So I say that as a bit of a preamble to if we want to raise empowered adults, then we need to give them practice with empowerment as children, meaning they get more, more and more autonomy 
over the choices and decisions in their lives as they are developmentally capable. Your family's safety is our top priority. And Mazda has more Insurance Institute for Highway Safety picks than any other manufacturer. So get to your Mazda destination, the all-new Mazda of Kent. MazdaKent.com. There's no inventory shortage here. Test drive a new Mazda today. Check out new Mazda CX-5 crossover SUVs, Mazda CX-30 CUVs, even 2023 Mazda CX-50 crossover SUVs. And maintenance is no charge for one year. Plus, Mazda certified pre-owned vehicles with a balance of a seven-year, 100,000-mile warranty. U.S. News & World Report awarded Mazda Best Car Brand. Come experience our new retail evolution dealership created solely with the customer in mind. We provide a premium experience that customers expect and deserve. Test drive a new Mazda today at your Mazda destination, the all-new Mazda of Kent, where my family shops for cars. MazdaKent.com, MazdaKent.com. And I'm glad that you said that um, about the, it's not permissive because, right, I can see that a lot of people have probably said that to you, right? <laughs> like, oh, you're just trying to, you know, the kids can do whatever they want. And, you know, I love this that you- my like, kids are spoiled so much. Exactly. They're already, you know, this generation, da, da, da. Um, but, you know, you're, you're like, that's not what it is at all, obviously. But um, I, I love also that you mentioned, you know, <clears throat> replacing, you know, punishments and things like that. But you also mentioned- also replacing like the things like a sticker chart or, you know, the the kind of rewards or the bribes or whatever. And it's all with about, you know, communication. And I'm going to say that and correct me if you feel I'm wrong, but, um, you know, communication definitely takes much more time. So I think a lot of the other things, the negative, the, the, the yelling or the punishment, or even the, here's a sticker, here's a reward. That's a lot faster, right? Than that Absolutely. communication. I say to people all the time, peaceful parenting is much harder. It is, if if compliance is the goal, right? If I tell my child to clean their room and I expect immediate compliance because there is a reward or a consequence on their decision to do so, that's effective, right? Like they're going to learn, you know, especially in more punitive households, like I better fall in line or it might cause me physical or emotional pain. So, so traditional parenting strategies are effective if the goal is compliance. Mm. But I don't know about you. I don't think we need more compliant humans in the world or on the other side of that, bullying humans who learn from an early age that the most powerful, the loudest voice in the room gets their needs met. So peaceful parenting takes work. It is, right. it, it is full contact parenting. But the rewards are out of this world. These kids are amazing. They are the leaders that we need them to be to solve. That's why I call the book, How to Change the World. We need them to solve the climate challenge, to address racism, to address inequality, to come up with solutions for healthcare. We don't need them feeling like they're small. Right. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, it's great, really great information. And like we said, just that communication piece, and it does take more time. But like you said, if your goal is compliance, then fine. But if not, then, you know, try this. Um, 
and I like, you know, goes along with one of your, you know, step into a new way of thinking about discipline. And so it's, it's a new way. You're not saying remove it, you know, like anything goes, it's just a new way of thinking about it. Discipline is something that we all want, right? Like mm-hmm. I want to be a disciplined CEO. I want to be a disciplined caretaker of my body. I want to be a disciplined parent. That is a very different use of the word discipline than using it as a tool of power, coercion, uh, you know, dominance. So I love discipline in the context of learning to be a person who follows through on my commitments. I'm a big yes to that and have worked really hard over the years to make sure that my children are instilled with that value. So what would you say to the parent, just thinking of this now, that says, you know, I just, you know, this sounds great, but I feel like my kid is just always testing me and challenging me and just defiant or, or purposely, you know, trying to get into trouble or they're getting into trouble at school and all that. So what would you, what would your advice be for, for that parent? This is exactly why I wrote the book, because so many parents are desperate to parent differently than the way that they were parented and desperate to parent differently than the way that they're parenting and desperate to help their kids. Um, Children are experiencing, I don't need to tell you, right? It's it's been a time for kids. And so the book is to give that framework to show that not only is peaceful parenting possible, but it's preferable. Now, if you have a child who's over the age of 12 and, you know, you suddenly switch gears, it's going to take a minute, right? The children are wired to test boundaries. They are wired to see where the limits are. Of course, they're going to be like, wait, is this for real? And it's going to take some time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe that children are I'm going to use the word demanding. I believe that children are demanding something different from us. And there has been a shift. In the past, children were bound to their family of origin through obligation, right? Like, we're your mom or your dad. We put a roof over your head. We gave you life. You owe us everything. That is no longer the case. You know, one of the upsides of the internet and social media is that there's so much more information about what healthy relationships look like. And conditional love, right? If you don't do what I say, I remove affection or I take your privileges away is not how modern relationships can thrive. And our kids are calling us up. They're saying, hey, be the mom I need. Hear me. See me. Acknowledge me. And we can. And, and, and I never think it's too late The parent-child relationship is so hardwired into our system. We've had grandparents come through our coach training program and repair relationships with children that they have not talked to in a decade. It is never, ever too late. Yeah, you're you're you never stop being a parent. You know, you're always like you said that relationship is there, so it isn't too late if you say, "Well, my kids this age or whatever." It's it's not too late because you want to have hopefully the best possible relationship you can with them, and then you know if they were to have children, you want to set that you know on the right path, right? So that's a good point. It's not too late. Um, 
you know, and, and you mentioned, you know, and you've already mentioned this a little bit, you know, being that best version of themselves in the name of raising their child, we all want to try to, and sometimes, you know, we don't, we're not always going to be successful at this every day, obviously. Um, but we want to try to be our best version because of our kids. You know, usually people want more, you know, I want the best for my kid. I want more. I want to be, you know, I'm going to do these things, you know, for my kids. Um, you want to be your best version. Yeah. What I love about this way of relating to all, everybody, right. And, and certainly our kids is it's not about being perfect either. It's not about, you know, we're all human. We're all going to have our bad days. We're all going to, you know, have days where we're less resourced than other days and lose it. And that's just honest, right? Like none of us are going to be Pollyanna-ish, you know, calm voice and smile on our face every day. Like I mess up with my kids all the time. What creates the depth and intimacy of the relationship that I have with them now, and they're 16 and 18 now, is that I own it. And we have a framework for repair, right? So when I make a mistake, I am responsible for cleaning it up. That is the judge of my integrity, not whether or not I made a mistake, because we all like, let's not expect too much of ourselves either, you know? Right. Give yourself just as, you know, give your kids a break, give yourself a break, um, you know, as well. And like you said, like you said, you know, you just, you own it. And so kids, they can see through, you know, phoniness and everything, you know, real easily, but they also can appreciate, I think you being real and just telling them, you know what, I totally messed up, you know, and, and I, I take ownership for that and let's see what we can do to move forward and repair whatever it might need to be repaired. And so I think, you know, the kids have that unconditional love, you know, you talked about the conditional love, you know, so, um, I think like you said, just, just owning it is, and it also models that behavior so that they can learn to do the same. That's right. They learn that when they make a mistake, they're still worthy. They're still lovable. And they learn to take responsibility for it without doing what so many adults do, which is deflecting, projecting, blaming, shaming, right? These kids learn like, yeah, you know what? Um, literally 10 minutes before this call, my six foot tall, huge son tripped, <laughs> fell down the stairs. He has a group of friends here. They're going to Vermont for the weekend, put a huge hole through the wall. Oh, no. Literally right before this call. And I was like, hmm. Okay, Miles, you know, funny, I've been talking about your big body since you were eight. Um, how, how, what you going to do about that, kid? Right? Like, I wasn't angry. Yeah. I was like, you know what, Mom, on Sunday when I get back, I'm going to run to Home Depot. I'm going to get the drywall. I got it. I'll fix it. Fantastic. Good on you. I don't know how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Just the fact that he said, I'm going to take care of it and fix it. I mean, that's that's something to be proud of, you know, right there as a mom, just that he's like, yep, I'm gonna, but, but you know what? Right. It was an accident, obviously. So exactly. um, it was an, and, and even if it wasn't right, exactly. let's imagine a world where he was so angry that he punched a hole in the wall. He still would not be in trouble in this house. In this yeah. house, I, I would meet him with a like, Hey, whoa, what's going on? Yeah. That would, be, uh, obviously we need to have a conversation and there's something deeper here happening. Yeah. I have a really vulnerable story about this. Um, sorry, Miles, but my kids <laughs> give me full permission to use them as fodder. Yes, uh, my kids know too. <laughs> like, sorry, this is what I do and you have a really nice life because of it. So <laughs> they make videos with me now. It's really fun. That's but um, 
Miles went through, he was in his first relationship. It was a long distance relationship because he did a semester abroad program and, um, you know, his first love, right? Like we all remember that. One day I came home and I took a sip of what I thought was a glass of water off the counter and it was vodka. And I emailed my kids like, uh, please explain there's vodka on the counter and nobody was owning it. So he came in, I took one look at his affect and I was like, oh, it was him. You know, like I, we're moms, we know. Yeah. And, and lying is my biggest, I want to be a person who is safe to tell the truth to no matter what. I was a liar as a kid. So I am fully aware of the consequences of living that kind of safety mechanism. And so I was, I was furious because I knew somebody was lying and that it was probably him. And so I said that I'm feeling furious right now. I have rage inside of my body. You know that lying is unacceptable. And I looked at his face and his eye twitched. And I said, oh, honey, did you guys break up? And he said, yeah. And he just lost it. So he needed connection. He needed me. Imagine a world, if that was my house when I was a teenager, it would have been screaming. You're grounded. I can't believe you. You're you're an addict, right? Like everything in the book at the most vulnerable moment. Mm-hmm. And instead, I could use it as a teaching moment about times of big feelings and learning to be a person who can feel that pain without reaching for alcohol or substances to numb it. So I taught him. Yeah, that's a great story. And I, I appreciate you sharing it because had you just done the yelling and the punishment, whatever, and, and again, you're not saying just, oh, it's okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> just, um, mm-hmm. it, but, but you're saying you realize there was something deeper going on. So you, you need to talk about that. And then within that you can talk about, right. That's not the, uh, response. That's not the solution. Um, exactly. and here's why, um, and he's going to remember that and, and, and learn from that rather than yeah. just you being mad. And- And our trust is maintained. You know, Mm -hmm. when you have teenagers and they have car keys and parties and bodies, trust is a life-saving asset between parents and children, literally. Mm -hmm. And so preserving the trust with your kids as early as possible or reestablishing trust if it's been broken can literally save lives. Maybe not your kids, but they're going to trust you if someone's talking about suicide. They're going to trust you if someone's in a dangerous relationship. My daughter says that her friends know that I'm a, this makes me cry, that I'm a safe person for them. Like, yes, please, more adults doing that. Right. And that doesn't mean you're trying to be the cool mom where they're going to get away with everything. (laughs) I do not condone behavior that falls outside of the values that matter in this family, but I support them to learn through it. Right. I think in many ways, I'm probably one of the stricter parents (laughs) that I know, you know, Um, I have very high expectations of my children Mm -hmm. and um, you know, and, and lucky me, they mostly follow through because they they know the why. Yeah, right. Well, you've had that. What we what we went, talked about at the beginning. That communication has always been there. It seems like, and you have that trust and that close relationship because you've had such open lines of communication and taken the time. So now that they're older, you know, you have that relationship where they know they can they can talk to you, and they have uh, you guys have a mutual respect for each other. Yes. 
Yeah. It's great. It's great it's stuff. Awesome. It's, it's really great <laughs> stuff. And so how a lot more we could talk about, obviously, but I want to direct listeners to your book and to your website and all your resources and how they can connect mm-hmm. with you and find out more. Beautiful. So the book is The Peaceful Parenting Revolution. It's available on Amazon, uh, you know, Target, all the book online sellers and Audible. At the Jai Institute for Parenting, we train parenting coaches. We don't actually have like peaceful parenting courses because human behavior change in adults requires support. It requires someone to lovingly hold us accountable to practicing new ways of expressing ourselves, of communicating, of, you know, setting boundaries. And so if you're someone who's as passionate about this as as we are, becoming a parenting coach is life-changing and gives you the tools to actually be a part of this change that we're talking about instead of, you know, taking it outside your own four walls, I guess. That's great. And so how do they find that? Um, what's your website? It is Jai, J-A-I, Jai Institute for Parenting.com. Great. And then they can find your social media connections on that website as well, right? You could probably spend like eight years on that website. There's so much information there. <laughs> A lot of, yes, I was on it. Yeah. A lot of resources, a lot of good information, and that'll connect them also to, like I said, if they want to connect with you on social media, and then also the book is there as well, as well as anywhere you can buy books. Correct. Thank you so much. It was a great conversation. I really appreciate you coming on the show. I appreciated it as well. Thanks for having me, Miriam. You're very welcome. Sponsored by the all new Mazda of Kent. Your family safety is our top priority, and Mazda has more Insurance Institute for Highway Safety picks than any other manufacturer. So get to your Mazda destination, Mazda of Kent. Check out new Mazda CX-5 crossover SUVs, Mazda CX-30 CUVs, even 2023 Mazda CX-50 crossover SUVs, and US News & World Report awarded Mazda Best Car Brand. Check out their new retail evolution dealership, the all-new Mazda of Kent, mazdakent.com. Thank you for listening to Apparently Speaking. Listen and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, and iHeartRadio. Find the podcast and much more at northeastohioparent.com. Like Apparently Speaking on Facebook and email me at podcast at northeastohioparent.com.